This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Achtung Rural, broadcasting from the beautiful South Birmingham. Accept no substitute. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the world-famous Actung Mill. This is a special edition. It's the birthday edition. I feel like I said, it's my birthday. Uh, my name is Aaron Paul. Delighted to be with you once again this week, chatting all things Lions. Of course, you've got with you the uh, the podfather himself who's been telling us about his, his, uh, his new medical things that he's going to be qualifying for in the next few weeks. And trust me, you don't want... That'll be on the extra. You don't want to be hearing about them now. It will be on the extra. It'll be on the OnlyFans, Aaron. On the OnlyFans. <laughs> it will be. It will be three ninety nine a month, uh, two months for a tenner. For you. Uh, it is Nick Hart. How are you, pal? I'm good. Greetings, listeners. Thank you for tuning in again. Um, yeah, some things approach at 60 years old that you don't want to know about. So we'll save that for OnlyFans, as I say. Before you kick off, let me just remind you that the next sort of like 40 minutes from now you spend listening to this, you will not get that back in your life. So just think carefully <laughs> as to whether you're going to be listening to this or you're going to choose an alternative podcast because we don't offer no refunds. Uh, one man who certainly doesn't offer any refunds is young Mickey Avery, our very own Dale Winton, on the hunt for a bargain every week. How you doing, pal? Very well. Bonjour, everyone, especially to our Parisian listeners. Nick, it's, uh, it was Mill's birthday. I, I saw a post uh, talking about the original sort of formation of the Lions, but uh, Mill were 135 years old this week. Um, yeah. Tell us about it. I mean, you, you, you just missed that date, I believe. I missed it by some considerable length, young man, I'll have you know. Um, yeah, this, this, this passed me by. I, I wasn't, uh, I'm normally, you know, fairly up on these things, um, anniversaries and whatnot at the club. Just just the way I am, listeners, but um, I missed it completely. It's 135 years since Mill's very first game this week in October 1885. That was a 5-0 uh, thumping to a team called Philibrook, which um, is a team from Leighton. I believe Philibrook played on what uh, became, and is still, I think, Leighton Cricket Ground, and I missed it entirely. So, happy birthday, Millwall, 135 years later. I bet they, they never expected still, still to be going you know, all these years later, but um, that is that is that that is that is everyone's legacy, and that's what we have to try and pass on for the next 135 years. Cheers, Nick. As usual, great input. <laughs> Let's talk Swansea two, Millwall one. Oh yeah, um, funny old game. I found. I mean, we were we were not bad in parts, but unfortunately, sorry, I never knew the name was Michael Avery. Huh? 
No, 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 please, please, sir. Uh, I'll, I'll let Nick continue. Canal, Nick. You know, <laughs> one bit of great input and you take over the whole thing. Michael, you talk about it. Go on. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I think that it weren't, I mean, it's a really tough one to take because we was in reasonably good form. I know that, um, you know, we weren't on like a winning streak, but we sort of had this little unbeaten run that was going along. We were pretty tidy and steady at the back, uh, hadn't conceded many goals. And then even Tom Bradshaw finds his shooting boots, which uh, I can't remember who said it on the previous show, but, you know, it's his job to score um, rather than just keep putting shifts in. And he found the back of the net. So um, it was a result I'm surprised with. I think uh, if you look at certain aspects of the game, uh, yeah, we can talk about poor refereeing decisions, but they were they were two soft goals conceded, weren't they? Really, the second goal I think was was a poor one to to let in because we had so many opportunities to at least try and block it or get in the way of it. It was just like shooting practice for Swansea, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, the, the, both of the goals were soft. I, I actually thought the the first straight after half time was the softest. If you like, I do take the point about the second because we had bodies in the box and it should have been cleared. It's a, that was a basically a punt into the into the uh, penalty area, into the penalty spot area. And it should have been got rid of because that's 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 basic. Um, but I think Marlon was at fault for the first goal, if memory serves. I haven't seen any of the goals since uh, Saturday. But the, the Swansea player kind of got round the back of him. It's almost like he switched off. He was trying to escort the ball out for what would have been a goal kick and just got caught not thinking in that moment. And... You know, I, I, it was a very frustrating game. As I said earlier on, it was a funny old game, really, because I thought in parts we weren't bad. We were never brilliant, but we were not bad. We passed the ball quite nicely on occasions, but then switched off for critical moments where you get punished with goals. And, you know, it, it left me afterwards thinking that that was a very middle-of-the-table performance in a way. You can't say that we're, we're certainly not going to be in trouble this season. Far from it. But you can't really see anything that's inspiring me to think that we're going to be looking at the at the top six based on that. You know, it was a it was a fairly de- straight down the, the the line away defeat, a tough you know away 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 game. So um, I, I know Gary Rout wasn't happy afterwards, and I'm sure these conversations take place in in the privacy of the Mill dressing room. But um, just a very very disappointing, a tough watch on the on the iPad. And it just left you feeling a bit flat afterwards. Uh, probably disproportionately so, chaps, I think, because, you know, we, we went into it in fifth place, into the game in fifth place. We're still by no means in any kind of trouble. And, you know, as we look around the football scene generally, that's a pretty good place to be. But in the moment, at the time, it felt a bit like, um, you know, like you drink a gun flat. Yeah, um, in terms of sort of like style, Nick, obviously it was sort of like, you know, a pure attack at one point where Swansea were pushing and pushing and pushing. Is that just evident of, of sort of different, two different styles just completely colliding? Um, yeah. And is there, is, there, is there a concern that there maybe isn't somewhat of a plan B? Well, I think we, we've touched, and you've touched on it, Aaron, when we've spoken in the past shows and Harry's touched on it. I think um, I think the budget available to Millwall, I mean, the, the transfer window passed us on whatever day it was, Tuesday. I, I didn't expect any any business. We didn't get any business. So everyone's got what they thought was going to happen. Um, I think there is a sense that um, the squad is what it is. It's all we can probably stretch to right now because 
you know, the the club are sending out, um, you know, there's one today for the Junior Lions, great, great initiative, but they're just trying to get anything they can to get tenors and £40 coming into the club. It's, there isn't much money. And I think anyone had any idea that we're going to go lavishing, um, was it £2 million I saw for, for Macaulay Bond, like QPR I've just signed from Charlton? Um, probably mistaken. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think we've got the, the depth of finance and the squad is not a bad squad. Um, probably you could expect our forward line to have done better over the three, four games that we've had so far this season. But probably this once we get the injuries um, out of the way to Billy Mitchell and to, to Troy Parrott, this is going to be it, you know. Well, I don't know if we're going to do any business in January, but I think this this will be it. Now, that may or may not prove good enough with a, a good run after January to get us close to the top six, because I think that's really where the, the, the club's focus lies. And let's be honest, survival through what's going to be a very tough winter. And, you know, this, this is probably as good as it's going to get for us. So I think we might as well all get comfortable with the idea that Tom Bradshaw is our... <laughs> our work at workhorse man that hopefully gets more goals because he took that one well on Saturday but we're going to be looking for more from him let's talk about the tweet from Paul Llewellyn he thought it was a solid display today against a team who haven't conceded so far this season two sloppy goals conceded is disappointing from one of the most solid defences in the league you cannot ignore the shit show bottle fest from the officials it was an absolute disgrace yeah. uh, agreeing with that disagreeing with that um, I, th- I think uh, the referee obviously didn't help matters um, with some of these decisions and the fact you know uh, allegedly walking off the pitch having a bit of a chuckle with the opposition but um, at the end of the day we're a team who actually sings the song you know we always get useless refs which is what I believe that we sing um, when a decision doesn't go or doesn't go our way, or we seem a bit hard done by, so we always do feel we have to play against twelve men. I think, I think the ref wasn't great, but again, the sloppiness of the goals—it um, doesn't matter who the referee was—you still conceded two goals there, and you know you need to, you need to raise your game. Um, I believe. Uh, I think sometimes blaming a referee, un- unless it was a Kevin Friend performance. I do sometimes believe that blaming a referee for a defeat is not always the right the right thing to do. Would you agree, Nick? Yeah, I mean, the referee was uh, was a strange guy, actually. I thought, uh, is it Steve? Not Steve Cooper, that's the Swansea manager. I can't remember the, the referee's name now, but I, I called him Mr. Steroids because he looked like he was pumped up on steroids at the gym. He had kind of like a muscle-bound kind of look to him. Um and I just felt that he was one of these referees that was it, was, it was, it was, it was myopic. He only saw one, one team's offences. I mean, there was an incident in the first half where one of the Swansea defenders probably should have seen a second yellow card and didn't. So that, that played its part. Um, you're right about the goals being conceded for our own mistakes and we can't blame anyone for, for that. But there was a clear cut penalty at the end that wasn't given. And, yeah. uh, you know, so the combination of a red card not given and a penalty not given, you could say that the referee did impact the game big time. And then, he, you know, he, he did walk off the pitch laughing and joking with um, some staff members for Swansea. Now, maybe that's just passing the time of day with people you get to know on a regular basis because they're at work, basically. But it's just, um, I, I put bad optics. It looks bad, in my opinion, because those decisions were controversial. and. You know, I, I, I think it's these things do even themselves out, but we did, we do seem to get the, um, you know, the bad rubber the green when it comes to comes to referees. I will say that. Yeah, it's it's sorry, just just to touch on that, it's quite an interesting one because 
and you say about the uh, rubber the green for the referee now there's always that modern myth isn't there that goes around with the fa or the football league that we always get refs who purposely give us bad decisions to show they're not intimidated by crowds or anything like that mm. don't they you know yeah. there's always um there was always that sound that went around but it's quite interesting now to still see it because if you think about it now that there are no fans in the stadium surely the need to do that to Millwall is now gone I mean a lot of fans a lot of people say that fans not being in the stadium is a hindrance to a club like Millwall which is true we'll touch on the uh, the IU um, misbehaving as well um, which I thought yeah, if there yeah. was fans there would have would he would he have performed as well but we'll go into his behaviour later on but again that in, to a degree that could have worked in our favour because therefore you don't have to give those decisions you normally would have against you so it it is, it is strange to still see them happening against us. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose every club's fans feel that they've been badly treated by referees and it's a rare club. I don't, I don't know what it's like to support a top six Premier League side. So maybe, you know, you, maybe you get the rubber to green in a way that you wouldn't expect to if you're at the bottom of the table and if you're a Liverpool at the top. You know, I, perhaps, perhaps not. I don't know. I know as a Millwall supporter, historically, we always seem to get referees coming to both Coldblow Lane and now Zampa Road with a determination not to be intimidated by this name, this, 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 um, this, this kind of uh, reputation that we bring. I think also now at the moment being played behind closed doors, I think the name still carries some um, impact. I think referees still, if we <laughs> don't like it, um, no one likes us, we don't care, but it costs us sometimes because I think referees do have a slight um, inbuilt sense that they're going to, they're refereeing a Millwall side, they're probably going to be hard and dirty, therefore they've got to be on the watch for everything that's, um, they've got to protect the skilled players of Swansea, the, be- the practitioners of the beautiful game. I think there's a certain amount of that. And, and certainly, um, you know, I, I, we probably won't ever shake that. I think that's just part and parcel of following Millwall. Um, we we cannot blame Saturday's defeat on the referee who did seem over overly friendly to me with with Swansea officials, but there we are. Um, we have to look at the defensive lapses, the defensive lapses of concentration, which are just not acceptable. Not if you want to pretend to be a top six side. That's you can't be giving away goals straight from half time, switching off with with players that can can hurt you, and that's what happened. So. Um, I'm hoping that that's that's one of those bad days at the office. I mean, over I keep saying bad day at the office, but it wasn't actually bad in patches. I think we we do have players and we do play a style now that can actually um, look quite good on its on on occasion. I think we do seem to be um, uncomfortable when we go behind the game. We got ourselves back in through Tom Bradshaw, but we 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 just don't seem unless we get ahead early. We we seem a little bit fragile in that way. Um, I've- think we do um and i remember you saying in previous shows aaron that if you look on paper with the with the strike force of bradshaw smith for barson and now parrot that we that that's a strike force that many teams in the division would have especially in the top half of the table as well it's not just that that's not a strike force that would keep you um just out of the relegation zone i know on paper and on pitch is completely different um but it's it does get slightly concerning as you say Nick that if we do go a goal down we've got um, Matt Smith who's struggling to get on the pitch and can he play a full 90 minutes don't do we know but mm-hmm. Barson who's not in any real kind of form Bradshaw puts in the work but again as you said on last week's show is he now sort of starting to appear like that Lee Gregory role where can't knock his effort but it's the finishing and then Troy Parrott who as much as there was a huge fanfare 
with his arrival is now injured and he's unproven. So um, I, I said at the start of the season that there's a, this is a great season for us to really try and give it a go and go for promotion. Um, I did say, ironically, even though they've now sacked him, that it was Forrest's year to go up automatically. Um, and I think even more so now that you've got Wickham and possibly even Sheffield Wednesday, who are seeming to take a while to get back up to zero, that two of two of the three relegation places are pretty much confirmed. And it is a shame that we're not really going a bit more gun ho on them. I have a theory, and I don't know, I want to put it to you, to you chaps, because we're all at the moment. Aaron, you know you're professionally allowed into games, so you're still, you still have a sense of the experience of going to a football match, the fresh air with your nostrils and all the kind of noise and the, and the, and the feel of it, even though there's no crowd. But I, I think the problem for all of us, because it, it was a tough watch on Saturday. I mean, I'm watching it on, a, on an iPad screen um, in the front room. The whole experience of going to football is, is not there at the moment. You know, you don't have any of the, uh, the, the kind of rituals and build-ups to a game and then the rituals of the down coming away from the game afterwards. You have nothing to latch on to. And you don't especially have the sense of a hard-fought game where our tactics at the moment, Gary Rowe, it seems to like a team that um, has a certain pattern, fights hard for the ball, is not maybe the most flamboyant side in the world, but will certainly have that when required. He doesn't seem to favour some players like um, like Matt Smith and, and Ben Thompson, for whatever reason. I don't, he don't, they don't seem to fit his, um, his tempo in some way. Um, but when you're at a game, if you're in the den and you saw a hard-fought game, between, like we've seen um, you know, the, the draw against Brentford and, and Stoke, hard-fought game, you come away with a different sense of having watched a contest. Whereas when you're watching it on the iPad, it's more like watching um, a TV entertainment and that's, it gives you a very different vibe. And I think a lot of the comment that I saw online after the game on uh, Saturday was because you've effectively watched a boring programme on telly, really, um, rather than being at the game. It's a different feeling entirely. And I think there's nothing much we can do for the moment, but that's what's missing from the game generally. There's no sense of the theatre and drama of a real football match, the crunch of the tackle, the wind in your, in your face, the cold, everything, you know, it's all missing. Um, and it leaves you feeling slightly dissatisfied after. I think a lot of people were feeling dissatisfied after Saturday. I think that's part of the reason, just my theory. No, no, I think I think you're right, because also, um, I think, didn't Adrian Durham just say it on Twitter, um, on TalkSport recently, that, you know, football is obviously struggling, um, not just financially, um, but also he's saying things as well, like, uh, like for, it's just not the same game. It's no, it's just, not. As you say, no. Nick, it's not the same experience. and. I remember a few years ago, um, 2005, I mean, you're talking about Carlos Fangaro, or whatever his name yeah, was yeah. in last week's yeah, show. Yeah. But um, I, I remember going down the den, 2005-2006 seasons, I wasn't really going for the football. I was going for the social side of it. I, I, I would go there knowing that we was going to get turned over 3-0 by someone at home. But I was going for the social side of it and the atmosphere, as you say, and the... Uh, you're going, and, you know, there. just a sort of nostalgia, but you're just you're just not getting that watching it on the TV indoors. And I can totally understand the club keep coming out and saying, obviously, buy the iFollow subscriptions and everything like that, um, or pay for the game. Totally understandable. But there's even an element where it's not the same experience, as you say. You're sitting in watching what can be derived as, depending on how the game goes, a boring game of football. And also, in my experience, I'm not sure if this is a blessing or not for some. Um, not for me, but my commentary didn't work for iFollow. So I, yeah, a lot I was of people complained. Watching, yeah, 
yeah. I was literally watching the game and sometimes, and this is a credit to Carl Bates, if he li- I know he listens occasionally to the show, but this is a credit to him. Sometimes you listen and think, well, if it wasn't for Carl, you know, saying these comments or, or giving us a little bit of entertainment, I probably would have switched off about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, the, the voice has to be part of the, the entertainment. I mean, it's, it's really funny, and I'm going to widen it out. I mean, obviously, we're watching Millwall as a TV presentation at the moment um, by whatever you know, level that, that gets to you. But I find even watching the Premier League um, offerings, and I won't remind Aaron of the weekend results, but, you know, I mean, watch the, the Liverpool game. Um, these, the, they're, they're played, it's, it's, there's a coldness to it where you're watching, a, it's like watching... Um, uh, a forensic dissection of not in school when you had to dissect a rat you know it's, it's all done the very cold atmosphere this is football is a warm emotional communal event and that's completely gone at the moment so you can watch um you know uh, results that have um you know you wouldn't expect to see don't expect to see manchester united conceding large at, at old traffic don't expect to see liverpool getting beat um on that level and yet somehow it, it doesn't feel like you've watched anything um it's it's cold. It's not that it lacks drama. I, I don't know. It's it's. I mean, there's nothing. I, I what, Nick, I I got people trying to ram down my throat that, according to um, you know these like stats people and these like nerds and whatnot, that um, you know without crowds more goals are being scored. Apparently, there probably are so chances more goals X Y Z. Well, fucking hell, like send some our way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Like seriously, this is this is. I can't. I don't believe it. I mean, I don't think anyone ever saw sort of. Um, I didn't see obviously Spurs doing what they did Sunday. I did. I definitely didn't see Villa doing what they did Sunday. Mm. Um, and I think there is an element of excitement. But yeah, oh shit. I mean, the, the, you know, I'm not one for these petitions and whatnot online. But mm. I saw that petition going around yesterday about you know get fans back into clubs. And, and I, I made sure I signed it. And the old man was like, sign it on behalf of me. And even my mum was like, yeah, sign it on behalf of me as well. So I've signed it. And, you know, we, we've signed it. We've got our names to it. And I really hope it pushes on and actually works. Because without fans, this game is nothing. This game, I'm telling you, even like 10,000, 5,000, whatever, this game is nothing. And the pure hypocrisy that people are allowed to go to the fucking cinema and sit in an enclosed space and watch a film. Yeah. Or, uh, or the Albert Hall and the yeah, Albert Hall, wherever it is, what theatre it is, whatever. This is open air. Football is open air, and I understand people are going to turn around and say it's not about them sitting there; it's about the logistics. But if you look at what clubs are willing to do to get this on the road, give them the opportunity to do that. Give them the opportunity. Give a club an opportunity to go right. This is what we plan to do. This is how we're going to implement it. Bam, 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 bam. Don't you know? Shit, an advert for pure cremation is. Um, <laughs> Talking about COVID and pure cremation comes cremation. on. We'll be cremating a game under the way Pure cremation TV. Um, Nick, I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. I'm sorry. Let's cheer but me up, knowing. <laughs> give, give clubs the opportunity to do to show what they've do, done. I mean, I, I spoke to, I went to one of the games. In fact, I went to two games with fans of them. Uh, the Cambridge United one, where Cambridge uh, had a test event. Uh, where they play Fulham under 21s in a uh, a Carabao Cup, no, a JPT game, a, a, a league trophy game, an EFL trophy game. And I spoke to the actual stadium manager and he said, look, like we, we had to go through so much red tape, but it was worth it. Mm. And you know what? It was actually deemed a success. And then Norwich had a thousand fans in at Carrow Road. 
um, you know, and it was deemed a success. It's all about logistics. That is very simple. It's all about logistics. Getting people in, getting people out and away, and that is it. You know, it's an interesting one. I read a tweet from Barry Hearn today who said that coronavirus will never go away. It's, it's something that will stick around like the flu. The flu has never gone away. The flu kills people every year. But you know what? If you're sensible and you take enough precautions and you just basic, do things basically, you won't get it and you won't die. You know, no, I, that's for a man who's, I think, suffering from COVID at the moment. It's tough. I mean, the, the, the football industry is clearly um, <clears throat> heading down a dark road at the moment, unless fans are allowed back. A bit lot of talk this week about possible Premier League bailout for, for the EFL. I, I, I really, really wish that the EFL could support itself. And, and the only way that's going to happen is by allowing a certain number of safe fans to start to come back. The actual choice as to whether you would go to that event would be an in, have to be an individual one because we all have familial circumstances that will differ and some people will be able to do that, some people won't. And that's an individual individual's choice. And that's how it should be in this life. The, the decision by government to close off football and not close off other types of business is where the inconsistency comes in. And that's the problem. It's that, it's that lack of... Um, one rule for one, one rule for another. And that's that's what really sticks in people's throats, I think. Dougie Hume, Dougie, uh, said, agreed Hutch lost the bloke completely for the game, uh, for the goal, but we lack up front. If we really wanted our players, we need a striker who can score <coughs> regularly. We should have had a penalty and they should have been down to 10. You know what, Dougie? I completely agree with you, pal. And it all comes back down to having a regular goal scorer, someone who can stick it in the back of the onion bag. Yep. And, and, you know... You look at the, the the clubs in this division who have strikers. Bristol City are getting by. They signed Chris Martin. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I told everyone, Chris Martin's the man they should be going for. Um, they, they signed Chris Martin. He, he's doing the bizzo. Reading, Bournemouth, Swansea, um, you know, Luton are, are finding goals here and there. They're playing good football at the moment. Blackburn are playing good football at the moment. All these clubs have players that will chip in gold. It's just worrying. It's just really, really worrying. Like, 20 goals is needed. Gary Rowett seems to favour Tom Bradshaw, rightly or wrongly. Because he works he seems, hard. He works hard. And That's he fits, fits in the system. Um, he scored a good goal, though, Michael, didn't he? I mean, I, th- I thought he took the goal quite well on Saturday. That's nice to see. If that lifts the, the weight off of his back, if he can start to take some of the chances, he missed the howler against, uh, is it Brentford, wasn't it? Where he, he took a shot from the yeah. end of the penalty area, put it wide. Um, you know, he doesn't have to turn himself into uh, a goal machine, but just take a few more chances than what he's been taking. And maybe whilst we await the return of the prodigal son, Troy Parrott, maybe that's, that, that it'll be enough to keep us in the mix. I, I mean, I, I think there's a certain desire to keep us in the mix until, until January and then see if we can get a bit of a Millwall roll going. Difficult in a dry yeah. stadium, I think. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's it's a frustrating one with him because he started the season last year so well, didn't he? He got something mm. like nine or ten goals quite early on and in quite a good little run. And performance-wise, he's not, as we say, he's not a bad footballer. He is a good football player. But he, I don't know whether it's a confidence thing with him because, I mean, the way he took the goal at the weekend, that that's not a player who's low in confidence. That's a fantastic no, not lacking goal to, to finish. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's not as if he finds it difficult to find a back in it or, or build himself up to do it. But I, I'm not sure what happened last season, how he went from such a great goal return at the start of the season. Because, uh, I mean, I've just been back to that goal that he scored against Leeds, what was just absolute class, the sort of flick. Um, Cruyff turning to the bottom corner. I believe, you know, 
we, we weren't sat too far away from each other, Nick, when that went in. Yeah. To absolutely. go from a player like that who skies it over against Brentford, but it's, is, is, is he a, if given the right service, is he a 15 to 20 goal a season striker? The start of last year would suggest he would, and even Neil Harris said, didn't he, that Tom Bradshaw is probably one of the most natural finishers he's seen. So that's high praise from yeah. um, a, a fellow striker. But can you argue it's the service? Because you've got four strikers there. Um, I mean, we haven't seen Parrot yet, so I'll rephrase that to three. But we've got three strikers there who struggle to find the back of the net. Is that three players who are low in confidence or, or ability or they're just not getting this type of service that they need? Why would they be low in confidence? So that's, the, that's the question. They shouldn't be low in confidence. You know, what, what, is there, what is there to be? You know, you, at the end of the day, they're in one of the most safest professions out there. They've got the safest contract out there. If the club goes into liquidation and, and you know, the geezers from Channel 5 come and, and try and seize the den, they get paid. <laughs> they get paid. Footballers always get paid. They've got the most watertight contracts at clubs. They are the preferential creditors. I don't now, think they look at it that way, though, Aaron, do they? I, no, but, you know, they sit there on their... Five grand a week, ten grand a week, call it what they want. And they're fucking miserable. You know what, mate? Get on with your job. I love what Chris Wilder said last year about Dean Henderson. And this applies to all footballers. Someone turns around and goes, oh, Dean Henderson's amazing. He did an amazing job, blah, blah. And he goes, no, that's exactly. He did his job. He did his job. Now, strikers, you could be sat there as a bus driver on 10.75 an hour or packing shit in a factory. You know, or you could do whatever. You know, you could do it for like a menial wage and you'll put grafting because you've got responsibilities. But, you know, yes, you are in a high paid industry and yes, you get, you know, this and that and you're paid a lot and you're treated in a certain way. But you know what? Do the best at your job. Do what you can do. Like, I, I don't get it. You're a good club, man. You're, you're not struggling like a Berry. You're not a Berry. You're not a Macclesfield. You're a solid club there. I'm just thinking of two players, and they're just completely off the top of my head. I'm thinking of Ian Wright back in the in the you know, the, uh, the Arsenal um, classic era, who came into the game quite late, having worked on building sites and you know in 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 the real world. I'm also thinking of Jamie Vardy, who came up from the non-league level, didn't he, and would have been working, mm-hmm. I dare say, and playing football as a kind of an evening stroke weekend thing. Um, both the same I, side as Lee Gregory. Yeah, and Lee, I mean, to be fair to Lee Gregory, he's worked as an electrician. So he, my, my point being that they have not come up in this kind of rarefied bubble world of being like a football, uh, the little princes of football. They've all, they all know what the other side of the coin looks like. And I think in each of those players, and I, I probably even include Lee Gregory, though he didn't reach the same levels of success. There's a, there's a certain joy in the game because they know what the alternative is. It could well be back to that building site stuck up on whatever level in the, in the, in the pouring rain, you know. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Achtung, Mehlball. Poor fucking dinosaur at Arsenal, Nick. Dinosaurus. Dinosaurus. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I've no strong views about the Gunnosaurus. It, it seems to grip the, the world of social media. Can I just I say, as far as far as um, mascots go, he's one of my favourites. Like, I really, I dislike Arsenal. I really, really. Dislike <laughs> Arsenal. He is one of my favourite mascots purely because it's a dinosaur, like slightly rotund dinosaur, wearing a hat and football boots, and like an Arsenal necklace, and he looks quite. And he's always got a smile. Of, I really like him. I, he's one of my favourite mascots I, out there. I didn't know that the match day mascot gets paid a fee. I mean, maybe you can help me on this, Michael. Does, does, is Zampa on the payroll or Belina? Is she on the payroll? I, mean, I, I thought it was a voluntary thing that people did for fun. But, you know, I've never never done such things in my life. So what do I know? Well, well, well I haven't seen Troy Parrott at the moment since his injury. So we don't know if he's, um, that's how he's getting his wage. <laughs> he could be Gunnosaurus. <laughs> he's Gunnosaurus, yeah. Poor bastard. The funny thing is Meza Ozil come out and said that I'll pay his wages. Yeah, it seems to have gripped a lot of people's attention, this Gunnosaurus thing. I mean, Valencia, I saw on uh, the Spanish football club, offered him uh, a job out there in in, uh, in Spain. Well, Sevilla claimed to have signed him. <laughs> Sevilla claimed to have done a deadline day. I mean, Nick, I've just put a little uh, a little photo of him. I mean, look at him. Look at his little shoe, what, big shoes. You know, and his hat and everything. It's great. I'll tell you what, if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work out with... Um... What's his yeah. name? Tom Bradshaw. The way he hits the ball there, we could uh, give him. A, we could probably give him a game. Yeah, he'd do we? well up front. He'd do well up Gunnosaurus. front. Gunnosaurus. I mean, there's no dinosaur links of Arsenal apart from the fact. I haven't got a clue. Well, I mean, the only dinosaur there was fucking Wenger, wasn't it? <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say. Last time we had a dinosaur. Yeah. Last time we had a dinosaur. That was Steve Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> um, move move along. Move along. On Nick, where where are we? Do you want to just touch on that petition? I think it's hit 140,000. Yeah, the petition. Um, I don't know who started it. Certainly, the it was it was going a few days ago. This petition to mm. allow EFL and I think National League clubs to um, reopen their stadiums on a COVID uh, safe basis, yeah. subject to the um, you know the restrictions of local authorities, um, basically to allow the, the 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 EFL clubs to start to earn something of an income again, because without the crowd, they're not going to do that, and that will lead to financial disaster so it's running for a few days it seemed to be the EFL and in each of the clubs the uh, yeah. I saw Millwall but I've seen others Shrewsbury and I've seen a few others that have reposted it and it, it, it took off um, it's, I think 160,000 Nick is, is there yeah because you zero six two seven. well yeah. it's gone up to 160649 you sit here all day and watch it move. Watch it move. I mean, you, you need to get past 100,000 and then Parliament has to debate the um, the petition. So that it's not um, a done deal it's because um, it's going to be in front of Parliament. It's going to happen. I mean, I, I, I my thing is that if it's going to happen, a, it's, you've got to get it in front of the government's attention span. 
Um, so that the only way you're going to do that is to email your local MP and ask him or her to work with other MPs from across the party divide to try to get the government to rethink this 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 um, restriction on fans going in being allowed to go into stadiums mm. because um, you know the fact that it gets debated they can knock that off into the long grass of who knows when they can find time to talk about it. Um, so you have to keep the pressure up. So I'm, I'm presuming that those that organise the petition are on all of this and get people to start to pressure their local MPs to work with other MPs to put pressure on the government in the House of Commons because that's the way that this will change. Um, I, I hope it works. I hope it works. And then it should be a personal choice as to whether you attend the stadium um, subject to your own situation. I think that's that's the only right way. If we're going to be allowed to sit in a pub and get pissed, then we should at least be allowed to go to a football match that is for others, their, their pleasure, their choice of vice. You know. Mickey Avery, let's have a bit of you, mate, on the old virtual junior Lions scheme. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, t- £10 is is a great um, a great value for, for young fans to get involved. And, and if it is as, as cheap as that for the junior Lions, you can see quite a lot of parents sort of spending that sort of money because it's not something that will actually dent the wallet too much and also you know your your child feels part of the club and yes some of these things are obviously limited by covid so you know you won't be able to go to games and things like that but the opportunity to go to these prize draws and you know to have some kind of involvement with the fans where you know as it says there you know you've got the chance to design the front cover of the program these are the things that kids like to like to take part in and and i have to be honest listening to your show recently nick with the fifa ultimate team i'd rather um, my two boys or three boys, man, should I say, my three boys sign up for this scheme and spend money on the ultimate yeah. team and not get anything for it. Um, it obviously goes towards the club as well. And it's it's a really good revenue stream that I think, yeah, it, it, it keeps it keeps the fans involved as well because these these are the young these are the young fans that you need to you need to keep keep hold of and you need to keep them entertained. And as as we've said before, you know, Half tongue in cheek, we've just talked about dinosaurs, but you know, we're not. There's some aspects of the fan base who aren't going to be around for too much longer. Um, I'm not saying like in the next five, ten minutes they're going to be gone, but um, you know, like, the show's cheering me up though, in Michael. Oh, no, it's excellent, exactly. Yeah, yeah, let us know how your appointments go. Your over 60s appointments go Nick, after this. Um, but no, you know, you've got some some areas of the fan base in 20, 30, 40 years, um, will sadly no longer be with us, but it's the eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds who are sitting indoors at the moment who are the future of the club. So yes, you've got to get these still involved. You've still got to get them, um, what's the word, uh, attached you've to the club. Them and you've yeah, you've, you've got to get them hooked, exactly, because it's very difficult at the moment um, if you're sitting in a front room and the eye follow keeps freezing, well, they could quite easily go in their bedroom and play their computers or read a book or, or, that, or watch YouTube on their iPads, you know, if you if you drag them along to a football stadium, they're forced to it. But it's one of those things they eventually like. I think it's a good scheme, a good scheme from the club. Yeah, I mean, the match day experience for the kids up in the, the family area over in the stand is pretty good. I understand. I've never been up there, but um, everything. I mean, they won the family club award for the, for the work they've done in that area. Uh, and this is this is a good scheme because it keeps, hopefully, it gives as much of a link as you can get at the moment in the current non-match day environment to to keep kids linked to the club and that's really what it's all about as Michael says um, I mean they get a stream a live streaming of a first team training session um, I hope there's going to be someone presenting that so that they can explain what's going on that'll be a good idea I don't know if Billy Taylor's listening 
but if you're going to stream a first team training session, you just want someone really explaining what's going on to kids because that otherwise you're just watching blokes kick a football about. You need a bit more to it than just that. So there's my suggestion to Billy. Um, a membership certificate, good good idea. Print out at home. Your kids can do that. Monthly prize draws and a Christmas card competition for the programme. So this is all good stuff. And, and I, 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 you know, the club is in a tight spot. It's got the loyalty scheme going. It's got now this £10 junior Lions thing to keep the kids interested. And this is this is all great work. Um, the club, I know, are being as, they're looking at other stuff. There's a, you know, trying to be imaginative as to what they do because like all clubs at the moment, there's no match day income. Therefore, you've got to find other ways to 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 bring some uh, money coming into the into the um, into the den. And this is a good scheme. So, well done, Millwall. I hope it is popular, and mm. I hope it achieves the ends that it's, it sets out to. I was going to say the thing is as well with this scheme, to a point, and I know you obviously want to help out the club, and I'm not I'm not saying it as me specifically, but you may get some fans out there who. Um, have young children who the recent loyalty point scheme where it's uh, 40 pounds uh, per per head if you will some families may not especially in this current situation may not be able to afford no, no uh, there's, 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 there's that, that kind of money no, i agree so so there's there's also an element there where you can make it you can make it affordable where you um invest in the club you still have that connection, but it doesn't affect you too much. So, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, also, making no money is the Akhtung Akka. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, I've written on our notes, listeners. Um, we got beat last week again. I think we, we, we lost from the very start, Michael. You went for the 12.30 kickoff. Norwich, um, we backed Norwich to beat Derby. Um and after that, we were, the rest of the afternoon was spent knowing that you were beaten from the very start. So I think we got about three out of, out of, the, out of the six. So we're not doing very well, listeners, on this. But we will come back again because we're gluttons for punishment. We'll come back again with another Achtung Acker uh, on Saturday. Uh, no, it's international break this weekend. We could do it for the internationals, couldn't we? No, um, I mean, the people are just going to choose. Like, I mean, you lose right. money if you bet, bet against the Faroe Islands. All right. <laughs> we'll save it for the next championship weekend. So, no, the Achtung Acker so far has been a great idea that's not worked out very well. Like so many great ideas. But I'm going to jump on the old sky bet now and I'm going to bet like over Get three. On the Faroe Islands. Faroe Islands. Yeah. Uh, Lithuania versus old oh, Denmark Faroe Islands, five o'clock kickoff. Yeah, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you where there is a tale of success, though, Aaron Paul. Where's that? In the Fantasy Football League. Oi, oi. Have you seen who's coming at number two on the Fantasy Football League? You check no, it out. No, I haven't. I haven't checked it this week. Only the Big Bear Brownie Company, number Ooh, two. I wonder who that is. <laughs> have a what look a on name. Have a look on Instagram, listeners, by the way. The Big Bear Brownie Company. I can vouch for the quality. Are they any good, Nick? They're very, very good, mate. I vouch for their... Are they delicious? They are delicious, mate. Delicious. And also pretty good at the old fantasy football, too. Top of the table is Tea and Biscuits with Andrew Crow. Number two is the Big Bear Brownie Company on uh, 255 points. And then David Leder Kramer and Neil Smith at three and four. Um, taking a, his, his reputation is taking a tumble, is the XG unit, Ryan Loftus. I think he's rather yesterday's man. He's down to number nine. And Michael Hayden. Is uh, at eleven. Row at your boat at number eleven. How are you getting on, Nick? I don't. I haven't even looked at it. Um, I don't know where I am. Actually. <laughs> That's what they all say when they're. Oh, I'm sixty-four. Low message lager. I'm at number number sixty-four. That's where I am. 
I'm 64. Out of what? 63. 65. 64. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the team this week. I, 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 I let the computer pick a random team to start, and I haven't looked at it since. I will. I, I, I can't be. I can't be humiliated like this on a show each week. I will have, have a look at it. Um, moving swiftly <laughs> on. Oh, uh, Mickey Avery. There's a new charity partner for the Lionesses. Yes, there is indeed. It's uh, very exciting for Lionesses, actually. It's a, um, an app called Be My Eyes. Have you two gentlemen heard of this app before? Not previously, but I have now because I've seen the, the, the press release. Very good charity. Yes, no, it's an excellent charity. So what it is is basically uh, they are a charity who help those who are uh, blind, partially sighted or have sight deficiency. And it's little things. I mean, I sound like I'm on a right advertising scheme for them, but it's little things that we obviously take for granted that um, that we can do in everyday life that obviously blind people and people with sight deficiency struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, the MSC have kindly donated um, the cost of printing the logo on the kit for the season for the charity to get more awareness. Um, but the MSC chair, Catherine, she is a volunteer. And what happens from time to time, she will receive a phone call from someone um, who says, um, you know, I need to see what, ingredients are in this um this this packet of of whatever it is because i've got people over who've got an allergy so i need to make sure i don't put something in there where they're blind they can't read the label um on the youtube video there's a there's a clip of a gentleman who's about to get a train obviously he can't see the display board so he asks someone on the app to let him know what time his train is again it's little things that you take for granted um but these really really help uh, people who've got these deficiencies so it's a great it's a great sort of uh, platform for them um, and a great platform for the Lionesses as well to be uh, together. And I think Sean Daly, uh, the Millwall Community Trust CEO, says it perfectly when he says, obviously, I'm paraphrasing slightly, that you know, Millwall's a big family club and helping the community out. So that was one of the reasons why, why they partnered up. So it's great to be a part of, really, really enjoyable. Fantastic. That's great stuff. Great, great for the MSC, great for the Lionesses. I'll, I'll just put on a bet. Um... Over three and a half goals in each game, yeah. And this is me. This is I quite I do I do what I call dickhead bets. So I won't bet like a fiver. I'll bet like twenty five pence. Acton Ak is a dickhead bet. Just to see, just to see if like you know my little hunch works, yeah. yeah? And once in a while they do because when yeah. you hit like and you win like a grand here or there like eight hundred quid, it kind of comes in quite nicely. But I've gone for over three and a half goals in the big one. That's Estonia versus Lithuania. Denmark versus the Faroe Islands, Cyprus versus the Czech Republic, Luxembourg versus Liechtenstein, and tomorrow, Georgia versus Belarus and North Macedonia versus Kosovo. So I'm banking on all these people to have really crap defences. And 25 pence gets me 750 quid. (laughs) Think of the the loyalty schemes at Millwall you can buy with that, Aaron. Mate, I'll buy. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. If I win the bet, I'll buy five kids a loyalty scheme. Well, we need. Yeah, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. We need. Come on, you Estonians. Come on, you Liechtensteinians. <laughs> come on, you Estonians. Oh, basically, just score goals. That's what I'm saying to everyone. Just score goals. Don't, it don't matter who you are. Just score goals and make sure there's a minimum of four goals per game. That's all I care about. And I'll buy five kids a loyalty pack. How about that? that? We're new, new, new section each week. Aaron's dickhead bet. Aaron's dickhead bet. <laughs> I'll do a jingle for that one. Oh, we love we love a jingle on this show. Uh, have there we, we got any other business, Nick? Any other business? No, we have no game on Saturday. It's international break, so we'll all be looking out for the uh, the Georgia versus Azerbaijan result and and Aaron's dickhead bet. Belarus, um, 
Belarus. Um, no, no, no. Last few copies of the yearbook are still clinging on for Grim Death. So buy it. Go to the millsupportersclub.co.uk forward slash shop and you'll see the, the book on it. We need to get those shifted and get that sold. Um, it needs the garage space. That's true. I need the garage space. I'm off to watch Lincoln City, sir. I'm quite looking forward okay. to that. Since Seal Bank. Yeah, up at the back. Usually they give you a, you get a nice good sausage up there. Yeah, no, they're, they're proper good. Like Terry, who organises the old uh, young Terence, mm-hmm. who does the uh, the press room, he always sorts out a couple of Lincolnshire sausages for the lads. Very nice. Are the Lionesses in action this week? Oh, yes, we do. We are actually. Uh, we are against Haverhill um, Rovers in the ERWFL League Cup. So it should be a very, very good game, actually. They're a, they're a side who are. Um, in the Division 1 North compared to our Division 1 South yeah. um, and they seem to have started the season quite well so yeah no it should be a really really good competitive game the girls are really excited about it and uh, yeah I think I think after the unlucky result um, recently against Hutton and the game cancelled last week um, they are very very much looking forward to get back on the pitch and get a win so come on you Linus Brilliant stuff Brilliant stuff. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. Nick, you can uh, attend to whatever it is you're up to before we talk to <laughs> Pod, mate. Uh, Michael, get back to pretending you're doing some work. I'm off to watch some uh, so, some countdown, as they say, um, in, in the motherland. Uh, everyone else, have a good one. Have a good week. Keep safe. Keep out the lurgy. Um, make, make, make sure you're wearing your mask and all that malark. Uh, until next week, though. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Aston Rural. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. However, it's actually Rural. Till next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.